0: The Healthcare Quality Cast is powered by the Quality Coaching Company. If you'd like to work with us to earn your Lean Six Sigma for healthcare certification or partner with our innovative corporate training and coaching programs to successfully scale your continuous improvement initiatives, then click the link below to learn more and apply. Hey, quality people. Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast. I'm your host Jarvis Gray, and in this podcast, we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring industry leaders. We dive deep into the career journeys of these leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for their patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. Now let's meet today's quality guests. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the healthcare quality cast. And for today we have Maria France on Maria, are you ready to share with some quality people? I am. Perfect. Well, Maria, let me start off by first thanking you for uh, for joining today's show. But uh, you know, we we have a pretty good history. We've gone back at least what five, six, seven years now, and yeah. I just want to thank you because you have been just the the ultimate partner around so many of my crazy ideas to try to connect quality and process improvement professionals uh, from our Lean Coffee's to this, just to collaborating. I've had a chance to. Um, you know, to meet with you and your teams in the past and, you know, just impressed by the the leadership and the way you plug in and support everybody's um, work and movement. So I just want to start by thanking you for for just being amazing and being an awesome leader. So thank you very oh, much.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: No, it's my pleasure. And love to start our show with positive affirmations to really get the momentum going. Uh would love for you to share a favorite quote or a favorite mindset that, that has a really impact on you, but also share with our listeners how you apply that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, so f- for me, I've been in the healthcare technology space since probably about 2008 officially, so I've been switching more from healthcare to he- healthcare technology. And one of my favorite quotes when, when faced with the technology side of the world is the Bill Gates quote, uh, the first rule of any technology used in business is that automation can make an efficient process magnified. Uh, But the second rule is that if it's an inefficient process, it'll magnify the inefficiency. And so much of that um, aspect of you can improve things when it comes to quality and you can focus on things and and then you can try to automate it. But if it's an inefficient process to begin with, then all you're doing is actually magnifying, just absolutely magnifying the inefficiency. So uh, a lot of my day is driven by thinking is this the right thing to automate? Is this the right thing to improve? And and um, and scoping is such a huge part of my day-to-day.
0: All right. Well, amen to that. And I, I see it quite often mm-hmm. with the teams I work with where we buy and implement new technologies thinking that they're going to solve all the problems in the world. And to your point, yep. it, it really exposes that we have some really bad processes that need to be uh, right. streamlined. <laughs> Also Absolutely perfect, uh, it's true. Yeah, per- perfect quote. So, Maria, you are a vice president of operations and I know, you know, with your background in lean and six sigma, um what was your introduction to quality? What led you into this career path and how did you get started?
1: So, my first intro into quality was really around my uh my background in industrial engineering as a undergrad. So, that's where you can't leave uh, an industrial engineering uh, degree without developing some kind of tick. If you hear inefficiencies, um, you, you learn about critical paths. You learn how important it, what gets managed is what gets measured. Um, if you focus on, on key ways of measuring success, then that's exactly how you're going to know you're moving forward with a process. So my, my true intro into this world of measurement, quality, um, and improvement was all around that in, that industrial engineering undergrad.
0: Okay, and share with us as well, so a lot of your background relates to the um, startup environment and the health technology environment. What even got you down that focus? Because that, to me at least, is a very unique um, side of healthcare that I, I can't say gets enough credit.
1: Right, so I started out on a much larger company. So. Uh, Fortune 500 pharmaceutical company, Merck, um, big, big company. So you, there's lots of silos. There's lots of different ways that people have their their jobs structured, and you knew exactly the boundaries of, of your role. Uh, you knew which teammates you worked with. Um, and I was there for 10 years in total, but towards the end of that 10 years, it became obvious for myself I wanted to be able to make a bigger impact on the company I was at. And you can either do that by really climbing the corporate ladder and, and trying to increase that box size, or you can drive um, drive more impact in a smaller company because you have to wear so many hats. Um, and so with, with the engineering background, technology itself was very attractive to me. So that's where I started really looking around to say, how can I combine these two worlds of healthcare and technology, um, and then how can I actually drive a lot more value as an individual? And the smaller company, the startup world, is something that I only really read books about. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> you you uh, subscribe to Entrepreneur magazine. You have all of these different uh, lean startup books that you read, and you're just ready to just take it on. And and the reality is very different than all the books and the frameworks have. It you can only you can only uh, really go through it by starting it and doing it yourself and jumping out out the into the deep end of the pool. So. Um, that's very much where it came is, is wanting to drive more value as an individual, not seeing, being younger and, and uh, impatient a little bit, not seeing how that path would happen fast enough at a big company. Um, so really looking around to see what, what type of format, and what types of companies were out there that I could, could help in the startup world was, was definitely attractive to me. Um, the best quote about startups I always hear is it's like, flying a plane but then building the plane while you're flying it already mid air midair. So wow. um that that kind of excitement and uh drive is very attractive to me and really tried to focus on healthcare startup companies too.
0: Well and and to your point even about like the lean startup mindset, um mm-hmm. maybe really quickly at least describe what can what does a day in the life of Maria looks like in the startup world because I just actually finished the Lean Startup and um, love the concepts about just try it, test it, you know, share it with your potential mm-hmm. customers and tweak as you go. And sounds like a lot of, you know, agile methodologies and a lot of the Lean right. concepts. Um, but it definitely sounds like no two days are ever really, really the same. So what right. what does real-life day in the life look like for you?
1: I think that the most important on each day is acknowledging that, You and your teammates are actually trying to figure out what the answer is for the first time. Um, There isn't Mm -hmm. a known answer. And for a lot of big companies, there's things that have been around, whether it's process or measurements or products, like they've been around for a very long time. So you have more known answers that you can rely on. Um, But truly, you are trying to decide what is the right solution and, and acknowledging that this is the best solution we can make with the data we have, rather than the absolute right answer. So um, a day in the life is usually a lot of meetings, uh, collaborating with different team members, looking at the latest issue that may be popping up. So it could be a support issue, it could be a product issue, um, but really trying to decide as a group to say, do we have enough pieces of data to move forward with a decision? Um, Do we have the right people at the table to make a decision? uh but then acting um instead of really churning on the decision itself i've seen um i've seen my time at 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 bigger companies where you can you can really spend more time making the decision because the Im- the immediate impact isn't as necessary so you can spend weeks scoping out months doing design months doing implementation you don't necessarily have that time in the startup world you have to have a couple days to scope you have to start acting and designing right away and then implementing hopefully within a quarter or two you don't have um the blessing of time a lot of times
0: i love it i'm I'm really really intrigued with that let me jump down so mm-hmm. next question i have for you maria what i would love for you to do then especially given the um the uh, just variety of things within your day your your work experiences maybe take us on a journey to a point that you would consider your worst moment as a healthcare leader, uh, either within your quality work, your operations work, um, but really help us see that moment, that, um, that story. Like really take us into some of your decision thoughts and, and decision processes in, in exploring and kind of working through it.
1: So one of the projects that I did as more of a quality advisor for one of the startups I was at, was a length of stay project at a hospital. And what that, that means is from the moment a patient's um, enrolled in the hospital to the moment they're discharged, how long is that stay? And for different uh, medical conditions, there's a very set expected number of days that you'll be there, and then anything beyond that is, is, starts being a burden financially to the hospital. Um, so we got brought in to help with their length of stay. It was above average what they expected. They were starting to take a financial hit. So we were doing a very structured Six Sigma type of approach, so going through all of the, the data and analysis. And what really came out for us was weekends. Weekends were driving the financial burden for the hospital. So um, if you got checked in, if if you didn't get checked out by noon on Friday, there was very little chance you ever left the door before Monday at noon and those extra couple days, or really almost three days, were were driving the financial burden for the hospital. So that's the data itself led to that conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. We proposed it. We showed the right way that they could streamline their Friday mornings and their Saturdays and maybe have better coverage. Um, and, but for me, the worst moment was very much that we could not get any kind of buy-in, buy-in from the chief medical officer the way that the the coverage and, and um, uh, having the on-call physicians start to do the discharge, which meant they were mm-hmm. probably the ones that had to do the discharge notes because it would happen on a Saturday. Very, very little um, interest in taking that on for people who might have seen the patients throughout the week. So uh, what became almost an obvious, what do you mean you can't make this change, was an absolute battle for so many people and so many stakeholders and the emotion of of a weekend um when it was so clear to everybody the impact that it was having for the hospital was very surprising to me that that it wouldn't be okay let's figure out how to fix this especially when it comes to the solution a lot of times was just a different physician writing a note um that discomfort was there and so um they they said thanks for the information what else do you have and that was the the most obvious answer there were little tweaks that got you a part of the way and maybe get you a fraction of a day but truly this was the thing that was going to make their change happen this was going to have the the best financial impact and they they absolutely would not adopt change for that so uh for me the huge takeaway for that was that culture absolutely eat strategy for breakfast every single day. It sounds cliche, but it is absolutely Uh, true. If the culture of your organization is um, this kind of weekend philosophy, I'm just going to wait till Monday, you know, sorry. It is very, very difficult to change that mindset, even though you may have all the data and all the right steps in front of them to show this will solve your problem but the absolute refusal was was very surprising to me and and a disappointment that you were brought in to solve this problem you you had a solution that could work for them and could not actually implement uh, that solution
0: well and it's it's interesting to hear that story and uh, I definitely have similar from my experience but the the vision that i heard or kind of my takeaway from from your story as well is that you Digital analysis came up with some fact-based recommendations, and mm-hmm. it sounds like the politics won out over the opportunity to save money or to, you know, to to at least better resource some of the work and, mm-hmm. and the workflows, um, but also yep. the the impact on patients. I mean, that you know, yep. they're the ones that are also impacted by the hospital's ability to clear out beds so more patients could get in more efficiently, more timely, and and it sounds like the politics at that time at least won out over over those recommendations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think about it often. What would have
0: been a different approach or a different
1: key stakeholder that we should have gotten on board maybe? Um, could there have been a different way to say that? Because exactly to your point, now you've got a patient who probably would be better suited at home or more comfortable at home at least for 2 days but nothing really happens for them until monday
0: all right well fair enough uh thank you for that um sharing that experience and um i I love the question because it it shows us that you know this work that we do as quality and operations professionals can um it, it's not always a win and so we always have to think of the right way and more creative ways to sell our recommendations and to get the appropriate buy in um but it could also be a downer, so uh, I want to move us to hopefully um, some more productive <laughs> parts of our of our conversation um, Maria, could you give our quality people um one tip, one tool, one tactic that you found has really worked well in building up that intimate connection? on the different project teams that you've led and you know, what is the tip or the tactic and, and how do you apply it?
1: So um in the Lean Six Sigma side it'll be about naming the key stakeholders. The the acronym that we use at Patient Co where I'm at now and other organizations is a RACI diagram. So who's responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. So every Every project, every key incident, so if you've got a fire that's going on essentially internally, making sure everybody's clear on the responsible, accountable parties, who else is being consulted and who's being informed along the way helps build trust amongst the team members more than anything Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Um, You can CC 20 people, uh, but they don't either know what their role is within being CC'd or they thought somebody else was going to take care of it um, that clarity and that, that simple grid of showing responsible person, accountable people, consulted folks, um, has made a huge impact in making sure people feel secure on their role on the team as well as other people's and knowing who the true process owner is going to be.
0: All right, love it. Role clarity helps helps really get people bought in and move the project forward, Then, Absolutely. All right, so Maria, then take us to one of the best aha moments that you've had as a quality and operations professional. Um, and again, you know, walk us in depth through the idea, like how did the idea even come about and how are you able to use that um, and, and turn it into a personal or a professional success?
1: So I would say one of my biggest aha moments as a quality professional has been the tollgate or, or stage gate philosophy. I when I heard about it, learning about Six Sigma or uh, PMP type of, of uh, curriculum, it was kind of a, okay, that's kind of nice. You know, that seems like it makes sense, but nothing impactful in terms of my my mental state about it. The reality is it has become such a critical part of a project. I, I never had an appreciation for it in in reading about it until you experience it. Um, for a while, we were having projects that, we thought we were clear on the scope. We immediately started executing. We get to the end and we're like, Yay, look at our results and um and people will be like, That's not even what I wanted. Um and so you get a couple instances where you've gone the wrong direction. You've either built the wrong feature or you you solved the wrong problem for a client before you realize, oh my gosh, how do we how do we get it? So initially we started with the the racy diagrams. Okay, maybe it was we didn't have enough role clarity. Who owned what throughout the process? But what what has become very clear is stop. You know, put the put the time out sign up and say, are we actually all in agreement on the scope? And are we all in agreement with the design? And get to these gates, which seem so very obvious when you say, but when especially in the world of startups. We aren't as disciplined of having like, okay, this is the tollgate meeting and we're going to have it formal and, and have all right the scoping meeting. It would just be a lot of on the fly and trying to collaborate quickly with, within a document. But those uh-huh. those moments are critical. You have to stop and, and take that time to, to have the meeting and look each other in the eyes or have an official signature, something to make sure everyone's aligned to the results that you're trying to do because it has... It has not served us well any time we, we go and skip those steps. So um, I always thought of this stuff as more of a framework before. And like, yeah, you can pick and choose what steps you want to do. And as it turns out, the more I do these different quality projects or more process improvement projects, when you skip a step, it always it always comes back to haunt you somehow. So um, TollGates for me has been a true aha. I thought it was more of a formal step that big companies did. It has it has turned out to be critical for the small size companies as well.
0: Well, I, I love how you said taking a moment to stop and look each other in the eye. I think that's the best mm-hmm. visual that I can see for a tollgate review. Um, yeah, and to, to even maybe expand on your idea just a little bit, and, and I guess help me understand if you all utilize even this much of uh, of the the process, but in order to do a tollgate review you would also probably need to have very formal process steps leading up to the tollgate review so you know if it's a dmaic you know a DMAIC, uh project you know you have very um, standard approaches to how you um define your project put together your problem statements your goal statements your stakeholder analysis you know whatever those steps are and then you say okay mm-hmm. we've done that To get review number one before we move into measure and so forth have you all established standard project methods or anything to that effect
1: yeah we have started to make true templates Um, and when you think you go through and describe like make a goal statement and make a project plan that people you inherently kind of forget that your background of so many years Gives you so much default information on what it actually means to make a good project plan or a good goal statement. So, we've gotten more formal about the the project charters, um, how you can provide status updates. You know, what discoveries, what roadblocks, and what next steps have you discovered since the last time you've met? Um, so, we've gotten more formal on actually reporting out. Which for some people that that was why they wanted to leave a big company. For others that are new in their career, they're like, thank God, I, I just don't know by default how to do this. But now it's taking somebody who, who, who is interested in projects um, and making them super effective in those projects and, and increasing their love towards improving a process versus, no, we just can't make things better, you know, or how am I supposed to know what to do? It's, it's go ahead and give the true templates and it doesn't have to be just a big picture Adopt it, whether you're big or small. It will make your life so much more faster for your teammates, and and take that personal stress off of your team.
0: Perfect, I, I love it. That's a uh, that's going to be a key takeaway that we write up on, on these uh, show notes here. Um, next question I have for you, Maria. What are some of the current changes taking place in the healthcare industry that you're excited about right now, and what role do you see quality and data IT professionals playing to support its long-term success
1: it's interesting because there's a lot of consolidation going on in healthcare so the healthcare system is mainly what I'm thinking about hospitals they're all being brought together um, and this concept of a patient financial experience has been out there you've seen different articles from the advisory board um, There's a lot of things from Becker's Healthcare Review that that talks about the patient financial experience. So we know a lot about the clinical experience we want patients to have. So what do we want them to feel when they're coming through the hospital? What do we want them to experience with their, their actual care, the people they interact with for their care? But a new trend that's probably been around for a couple years now is, their financial experience, what is, what is the money interaction that's happening between a patient and the healthcare system is very, very much a focus. So you may think about it as the bill at the end of the, the, the whole experience, but actually it's starting to be, do I take a copay from you? How do I explain that you're getting signed up for a surgery, let's say knee, knee replacement surgery? What does that possibly mean for a financial impact for you as a patient? What's the order in which you could possibly pay? Um, when on, on the current company that I work for, PatientCo, when we see patients that get a bill that they were not expecting, I mean, it is a gut-wrenchingly emotional experience, almost as much as the, the clinical, because... Some of the quotes we've seen is "This was worse than the cancer treatment that I've gotten. You know this was worse than uh, the surgery I went through is the billing experience that they had from their hospital. so you know we take very seriously coming in to help a hospital trying to improve that uh, but it's it is a it is an emotional journey that that the patient goes through to have the their finances and their money impacted. And so that trend is very new to try to improve that patient's financial experience. So um, when I think about quality and where it can improve, all of the improvement projects that you would use, whether it's Six Sigma or, or PMP type of philosophy, it's what's the problem that you're trying to solve? What are you measuring and how are you improving it a little bit every single day? Is very much um, what I think is exciting because if you can improve that for a patient, they're already they're already spending enough energy to focus on their care. Don't let them be also totally derailed by a um, a monetary impact that that can have such a negative impact on their life too.
0: Well, I, I love that you shared that, uh, Maria, because I, I'll say in all of my years of doing healthcare quality process improvement work, I think. I can honestly say and and I almost I'm almost ashamed because we've been friends and colleagues so long, but that's the first time I've actually heard of the patient financial focus being um a, a real focus around quality and process improvement and that overall patient experience. So um mm-hmm. I, I think you have just set a new standard for me. It's something that I need to um at least wrap my head around it and make sure that I make that a part of the work that I do um, you know, moving forward with healthcare teams, but I love that you shared that. Um, and I'm going to go totally off script now, um, but would you mind maybe giving Patient Co a really quick plug? Because I know you guys are leading the work and the movement around this focus, and, and I love that, you know, this is still such a new concept, and I'd I just love to support um, the the work that you guys are doing if you want to take a second.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we believe at Patient Co that hospitals and patients deserve better than the status quo it really is that the the experiences that you've had at a hospital system in the past aren't good enough for moving in the future there's ways that consumers um, have interactions with companies now that you need to bring to healthcare and so patient co itself is really looking to say if you have a bill that you're responsible for after insurance has paid what they've paid We want to make sure that you feel comfortable that 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 bill is accurate, that it's the right amount, and that you can feel uh, comfortable paying that whatever way that you feel that you can. So if it's um, through financing that bill, if it's paying it through paper check, if it's paying it with a credit card, we want to give you every possible way that you can fulfill your obligations but also be uh, impactful to yourself, knowing that there's other obligations that you have as an individual patient.
0: Awesome. No, thank you. Uh, thank you for kind of flowing with me on that one. So, Maria, mm-hmm. from your view of the world, and you work with some really, really bright project managers and, and IT professionals. But what do you see big picture? What can the healthcare industry do? Uh, to become a more attractive place for ambitious, talented, um, quality professionals or project management professionals to really start and grow their careers.
1: It's interesting because I think of healthcare becoming almost like the heart and soul for a lot of younger professionals. Uh, I hate to say millennials because I think millennials are almost in their, like, mid-30s now. (laughs) I actually don't know what the generation is called underneath it, maybe Gen Z or something, but um, people who are graduating college now have – have a real gravitation towards healthcare now. I think they look at an industry that's been stagnant, that maybe hasn't been able to embrace as much technology or, or consumer type behavior, but it's ripe for being able to change. So they can get into a space that, that has a lot of, um, a lot of room to be innovative. They can be a part of it. Um, I think a lot of the mentality of, you have to be this old-season, grizzled veteran in order to make an impact for, for a company is also going away. So we look to our young folks that just graduated college to be those new, fresh ideas. And if you bring uh, the the framework of, of quality and, and process improvement with your innovative ideas, you're just going to absolutely skyrocket in this particular industry. And so um, I think as a younger professional, healthcare – healthcare technology healthcare straight straight up basically is really attracting a lot of people who might have gravitated towards banking or or some of these other more uh, known industries in the past i'm i'm seeing a lot of people come out graduating saying i want to be part of healthcare which i don't think i would have seen when i was graduating college <laughs> they they wanted to go towards where the money was or where the big big opportunities were. But now I think there's a heart and soul aspect to um, almost like that social entrepreneurship. How can I impact people? How can I improve people's lives that they expect to be part of their job, not just a job that brings them income? They want a mission-based type of job now.
0: Well, I'll share with you, Marie. I had the chance in late 2018 to um, go back to my alma mater at uh, UNC Chapel Hill and just talk with a group of seniors that you know, we're, were wrapping up one of their quality courses at the program. Mm-hmm. And the entire course, and I'm guessing there were 50 to 70 students in the uh, auditorium with me, and I had a chance to connect with a handful of them, and I was just beyond impressed, to your point. These students are coming out, and they're not thinking, I, I would say, probably in the way that I thought when I went through my master's program, and, you know, I have to go through this path and become – Um, the next CEO or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. administrator or executive. It was, you know, I want to start a movement in healthcare. I want to, you know, apply technology. I want to do something so different and disruptive. Those were the Mm -hmm. words that they were throwing at me. And I, you know, like you said, I'm an old millennial now. I'm in my, you know, upper mid-30s and just now getting on my entrepreneurial path and these students Mm -hmm. are coming out already, you know, starting businesses, and I met a few students who had already started a few social movements to support um, under uh, underfunded, under, um, insured communities in North Carolina, and so to your point, I, I think the future is bright. It's, it's actually really scary, some of the, the things and the tools and the ideas coming out right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true, and the world is very flat for them. They have complete access. They have the world of twitter where they can talk to a celebrity or the you know the president right away you know it's just there's there's no boundaries any longer uh to keep you in a ladder so i think that's what's really interesting for for their career paths is it's going to be much more of a spider web than a path um and they have to be comfortable with that gray but if they if they embrace it they can make such a huge impact.
0: Oh, perfect. And hopefully uh hopefully our brick and mortar hospitals and other institutions can can keep up with their skills and talents in the long run. Mhm. Yeah. All right. All right, so Maria, you are you are doing great, but we're going to move <laughs> into a segment of our show that we call the 2-minute drill. Um okay. are, you, are you ready? You ready to go?
1: Yep. I'm ready. <laughs> All right,
0: perfect. Maria, tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best on a daily basis.
1: Um, compliance. I've never been inspired by compliance before, but that is a huge part of healthcare and it is a huge part of in our world taking credit card payments. Um, and so it inspires me every day to get that right um, because if you don't, you can absolutely be accidentally taking money out of anybody's pocket, especially as a patient. So, um, compliance is an interesting dry topic that that's actually becoming a new passion for me.
0: All right, so that is definitely uh, again another uh healthcare first. I I've, I've never heard compliance aspiring, but I can see the importance.
1: <laughs> and and uh it's such a good segue from quality, honestly. They they go hand in hand.
0: That, that you're you're 100% right there. You know, there's the recent movement, more healthcare organizations are becoming ISO-certified, which is
1: Mm -hmm. Mm hand-in-hand,
0: compliance and quality, you know, connected on each step. So, perfect.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: All right, Maria, so what's the best piece of a career advice that you've ever received?
1: It's so cliche, but it's your career is a a marathon, not a sprint. Um, it's absolutely true. My gosh, I've been so impatient in my life, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> it is a marathon. All
0: right, so Maria, have you ever had a a mentor in your career that has just had an amazing impact for you?
1: Um I've had I've had a couple pop in and out. I have not been lucky enough to have one consistent one throughout, um but it's almost like people magically show up when you need them and and then they can go away. So I've had people inspire me around startups, and I've had people inspire me around healthcare.
0: Uh, Let me expand on that question maybe just a little bit because, again, I think you have such a unique um, career path, but have you or or did you have any formal ways of finding a mentor or, you know, were they just the people that you worked with and gravitated towards? What, What was your approach to even identify, you know, people that you could learn from or you would want as a part of your career story?
1: I think um, a wonderful thing that's happened in the past decade are the world of incubators. And these are truly seasoned people who have built companies, sold companies, and they want to give back. Um, They are willing to sit with you for absolutely nothing other than a cup of coffee and let you pick their brain. And they will inspire you with their their stories, but also listen to whatever crazy idea you have at that time and, and let you think through some of the hurdles and challenges, but never Never like a Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank where it's like, nope, take it (laughs) in the back and shoot it. It's much more of the, we'll have you consider the very next step. And you may draw your same conclusion of like, this isn't the right business, but um, these incubators are designed to give you a chance to talk to somebody that maybe you've never, never been able to find before. And also LinkedIn. LinkedIn is amazing where it's just like, hey, I want to go talk to a, a chief customer officer and pick their brain on what their world is like now. I have never had anybody say no even for a phone call who's a complete stranger on LinkedIn a lot of times. So if you have even just one one degree of separation, I've never had anybody say no. They're always willing to just I'll give you fifteen minutes. Let me let me pick your
0: brain. Perfect. No, I love it. I love it. All right. Maria, share with our teams a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading um quality initiatives or any kind of a project.
1: Um I really like whiteboards and drawing. Um it's a personal habit of my of my own that I can't be in a meeting without drawing the steps, the critical path. Um it's easy to talk about it at a table, but it's always served us well to just get up, draw the picture, draw a picture every time. So I love infographics and try to mimic them on the boards as much as possible.
0: Well that that definitely explains the um all of the decor at your guys' office because yeah. I, I, I love that you can almost write on every wall or stickies uh-huh. and everything. <laughs> yep. All right, True. perfect. So, Maria, share with us your number one Internet resource that helps you to be the most productive.
1: I wouldn't survive without my calendar, so that definitely <laughs> definitely is one. Um, I also use Calendly itself. Uh, it 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 stops so many emails that I used to do back and forth just to try to schedule time with people. So, um it is by far an old school type of of uh, resource, but um my number one thing that is is definitely the um
0: the calendar. Maria, share with our quality people one professional association and one professional conference that you think would be a value add. Uh
1: well definitely I I've enjoyed the meetups, the lean uh lean coffee meetups. I think if there's any in your town or or city, it is worth doing and, and meeting other people who care about um, that type of world and work. Uh, I think that's been a really um, valuable thing for me personally. So, Jarvis, I appreciate you starting those because it's easy to go month after month without taking the time to hear other people's stories. So I, I appreciated mm-hmm. um, seeing that new association. Uh, professional conference, um, it, right now I'm much more in industry-specific one, so there's some payment conferences that, that I've uh, found to be pretty valuable that's happening in the, the payment space. There's something called the Payment Facilitator World, and that's just how do people move money from, from business to person, from person to business um it's a it's a big open space that's out there that as a consumer it's uh a little crazy to think what can be possible and so knowing that there's a world that's that's shaping up around it is is good so <laughs> not necessarily for the quality but just an interesting professional conference that's out there
0: could you recommend a book that our listeners will benefit from and why
1: I really like the Lean Startup. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I like the concept of this minimum viable product. Uh, There's a couple times where I take it for granted that everybody knows what MVP means until I run into Cross and they're like, oh, most valuable player. I'm like, no, no. (laughs) How do you get, how do you test, how do you try, and how do you repeat the process? So if you have never read it, um, do the Lean Startup. I think it's an uh, important uh, book to just be able to not go so big, but actually try, uh, try and be agile.
0: So, Maria, you are almost there. I promise I'm going <laughs> to sooner or later, but the next question that I have for you is a personal favorite because I'm going to ask you to simultaneously reflect on your past while you look forward to your future. So let's say you were able to send one text message to yourself ten years into the past, and one message to yourself 10 years into the future take a few seconds of thinking about it but what would you communicate in each of those messages yeah
1: it it probably would be <laughs> the same text message it's such a good question um i would probably tell myself 10 years ago it's gonna be okay and i would probably tell myself 10 <laughs> years from now it's gonna be okay you know it's um it gets into that impatient stuff that we talk about. You just want it so bad and anybody who's, who's remotely ambitious, just like, ah, just give me the runway. I'll just run, 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 you know, and it's, it's the patience aspect. So, um, letting the person, the, the Maria of 10 years know, uh, of uh, 10 years ago, know that everything's great. It's good. You know, you're happy and, and successful and it's, you're working with, with work that's inspiring. That's, that's what you just wanted to know 10 years ago and it's, that you find your place in this world. And the same thing is true 10 years from now that it's, it's going to get even better and, um, uh, that all the things that you're doing are building on top of itself. And, um, uh, so I would say it's going to be okay. <laughs> There's a, uh, there's a there's there's a big old uh, sign here in Sandy Springs, Georgia, uh, on one of the the buildings. It's just a big white sign that's painted, and it says everything is okay, and that's exactly what I drive by all the time, and it's it's true. Everything's going to be okay.
0: Nice, nice. I, I love that message. Maria, we are right there. We're at the end of our show for today. Um, and, again, I can't thank you enough just for all of the words of wisdom that you've shared, but um, could you give our quality people a parting piece of advice, um, maybe the best way that they can follow you or connect with you on social media or anything other any other virtual platform, and then we'll sign off.
1: Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to me, uh, Maria Abernathy. You may see the, the middle name France in there. Um, feel free to reach out. Always happy to get a coffee. I would say continue to find work that inspires you. Um, the best, one of the things that I would say is what is it, what are three core competencies you want to keep building on? every year, every month, every week, are you doing a little bit towards those three core competencies and
0: your career will
1: just skyrocket from there.
0: Perfect. I love it. Three core competencies. Let me ask you this before I officially, I said I was going to let you go, now I have one more question.
1: Mhm. Yeah.
0: I'm currently coaching um, a few hospital administrators and we were just having a conversation last week um, about core competencies and the, the conversation essentially revolved around Do we focus on our strengths or do we focus on our weaknesses? And I have my moments where I go back and forth, but I I would say that I've built my career path off of focusing on my strengths, Do you have a preference either which way? What would you tell folks that report up to you as you coach and guide and mentor young professionals? Is there one better way to go than the other?
1: I I believe very much like you're saying. I think that maybe when you're wanting to be a generalist in your early 20s, you don't know what your true strengths are yet maybe. Uh, But I've found focusing on your strengths is the key thing always. So yes, you can just make sure your weaknesses aren't true risks, but uh, shore them up enough where they're not risky to your career. But I'd say focus on your strengths. But then one thing I'd add for everybody is is uh, speaking ability. So presentations, if you'd never tell anybody about those strengths, then that's always tough too. So focus on the strengths and the ability to share, share that those strengths exist within you would be um, my advice.
0: Perfect. Could not have shared that better. Um, Maria, thank you so much for um, your time, your knowledge, all of the above. I appreciate it.
1: You bet. Thank you.
0: Quality people, thank you so much again for plugging in with today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media link posted in the notes below. I'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe, give us a rating, and also share feedback on what additional value we can bring to you through this podcast. That helps a lot with our show rankings and also with getting this great content out to healthcare leaders around the world. And if you want to engage with me directly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn, where I share additional resources, access to our QI community, and much more. All right, quality people, thank you again. And I'll see you back here next week when I introduce you to another quality guest.